Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast, a ministry of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. All this week, for both our free and premium subscribers, we are featuring messages from the 2023 Bible Conference in Perth, Australia. The conference theme, Taking the Gospel into the Nations. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy today's sermon. God. Hallelujah. I feel like I need a big lighter, you know, or is it phones now? Yeah, it's, it's the phone, isn't it? Praise God. I believe a man could preach after that. It's a great blessing to be here, and I send greetings from my wife. You know, she was going to be here, but she's out of practice walking in the winter wonderland, slipped and broke her ankle. And as they say in Australia, she's gutted and spewing. So I haven't forgot. I haven't forgot to how to talk. And uh, but she sends her love. We'll find another excuse to come back together. And uh, but what an amazing uh, conference! And we're going to believe God tonight. Let's turn to Second Peter chapter one. I want to put a picture up, and I want to introduce to you a, a young man named Lopez Lamong. We can get that first picture. And. This is a, a man, he was born in an obscure Sudanese village. At age six, Lopez Lamong was stolen by rebel soldiers during a church service out of the arms of his mother. He was captured by these rebels, imprisoned in a camp. And six years old, him and three other boys plotted their escape. At night, they slipped through a fence and took off running barefoot through the savanna, through the woods, through the tall grass, and ran for three days straight. They had no food, no shoes. They ran 40 miles and they were eventually picked up by a Kenyan patrol and took to, taken to a refugee camp. And he was in this refugee camp for 10 years. His testimony is he always kept his faith in Jesus Christ. He was eventually adopted by an American couple who brought him to the USA. And he decided to work on the only thing he knew he did well, and that was running. He eventually became a United States citizen. And if you go to the second picture, he went on to win many U.S. championships in different um, levels of the sport. And finally, if we can go to picture three, he made it to the Olympics. And he was the United States flag bearer at the Olympics. He wrote a book called Running for My Life. And what he said is, with God, life is not about where you start, but how you finish. And I want to preach a sermon out of the Word of God from that theme called Finishing Well. And I'm going to read from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, but we're going to refer to the, the chapter. It says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. 
For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For soul and entrance will be supplied to you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Finishing well. So I'm going to look at three things about finishing well. First is that God intends to finish well. Our struggle is, as human beings is we have a very limited perspective. We live in the present. We cannot see the future. We long to see the future. If we could see the future, we would know when to buy and sell cryptocurrency and be multimillionaires. And, and people, they, they're longing to be able to see the, fir- the future. But the, I heard a, a statement that, uh, that is profound, and that is that we must live our life forward by faith. And we understand it looking back in retrospect. That's really true. We live our lives forward by faith. And we understand it looking back in retrospect. This creates a challenge when we're struggling. To live our lives forward by faith and not being able to see all that lays ahead of us. There is a temptation to let up. There's a temptation to tap out. There's a temptation to quit. And in our text... We, we have an example of how we can process life correctly. And the first promise that we need to add to our faith is that God intends to be victorious. Verse 11 says these powerful words, the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that is not symbolic. That is literal. Jesus came the first time as the suffering servant. He died, he he was buried, he rose from the dead. And when he comes back the second time, it's going to be different. He is returning as a conquering king. He is coming back. And he is going to have a completely different outcome. If you read Revelations 19 and 20, it describes Christ the King coming on a white horse with the armies of heaven in his wake to wage war and destroy his enemies. He is going to bind the devil. He is eventually going to cast him and the demons into the lake of fire. He is going to judge the nations and, and the same for all the rejectors. And Revelations 21 and 22 goes on and describes a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, no more sorrow, the restoration of the tree of life, and those who died in faith and whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life are going to enjoy eternal life. Revelations 21, 6 says, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. This was God's plan from the beginning, from the foundations of the world. And God intends to win. There will be a people. He will have a people. Called out and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. To be an eternal companion for his son. This is the plan of God. And nothing is going to alter this. There is nothing that's going to change this. There is no force. There is no personality. There is no power. 
and the heavens above or the earth beneath or in hell that can any way challenge that. There's coming a day this present world will expire. Christ's kingdom will prevail. And you can take this to the bank. You can lean the entire weight of your future and all that you have or possibly could have. He is going to win. And once you put that in your faith, once you accept that as a non-negotiable reality, that, that is, it's unalterable, this, is, this will do something for you. Romans 9, 28, for he will finish the work. God is right on schedule. God knows what he's doing. He's in the driver's seat and he intends to finish well. Having said that, secondly then, we must determine to finish well. And there's many wrong views concerning the outcomes of our individual lives. There's the pagan view. It's called fate. Fate. This is where we get the idea of being fatalistic. Whenever you talk about somebody who says they're fatalistic, that's always bad. Fate. Do you know that fate is not a secular concept. That is a pagan religious concept. Fate comes from three, it's Greek mythology. If you, if you do a study on where fate came from, it actually uh, is, is Greek mythology that fate is determined by three Greek goddesses. That there's something in this, this view that there are these three personalities that are going to determine for human beings whether they win or lose, good or bad, uh, victory or defeat. And I want to tell you something. That is a, it is a huge mistake to become fatalistic. Fate is not a Christian concept. There is a Christian version of that. It's called Calvinism. It's the idea that heaven or hell was decided for us by God. And I want to tell you that, uh, that it's a warped view of Scripture. It's a warped view of God's personality. It's contradictory to Revelation. There is terms like the elect, and we will look at that. But verse 10 says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Calvinism bites the dust right there. You ought to just circle that, and we'll get back to that later. But this idea that predestination... And the elect removes free will and responsibility is insane. And it is not just a heresy, it's a damnable heresy. And so that's the Christian version of, of, of this. But there's also another, you know, another embarrassing curse in the earth. It's called being an atheist. The atheistic view of life, you know, these, these pseudo-intellectuals. You know, blind, pitiless indifference. That's the best they got. You, if you read these books and, and one of their, you know, snaggletooth experts <laughs> says all of life is just math, man. It's blind, pitiless indifference. The lion takes down the wildebeest in the savannah of Africa. Or the meth freak clubs the old lady at the bus stop and steals her purse. It's just, it's just math, man. Survival of the fittest. And, 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 that works for you? That is both hollow, it's absurd. It rages against civilization itself. You embrace that, the world's going to be an ugly place. It's like the man and wife driving down the interstate and the wife 
breaks the silence, says, we need to talk. I know we've been married 20 years, but I want a divorce. Husband just kept a straight face and just kind of accelerated a little bit. She said, I'm in love with a guy at work, and he said he'd marry me. Man drove a little faster, said nothing. She said, I want the house, the car, the kids, and the bank accounts. Man stayed quiet, just continued to speed up. She said, is there anything you want? He said, nope, I got everything I need. She said, yeah, like what? He just grinned as he swerved the car toward the cement overpass embankment and calmly said, I got the airbag. Good night, Irene. You know, to an atheist, that might make sense. But I think we can agree that finding a way to murder your wife is really not finishing well. It's just not going to end well. We need a different view of life. In 2 Peter chapter 1, the whole theme of this text is God desires for us to finish well. He is going to finish well, and he has given us everything we need to finish well. If you look at verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We, we, we may not know everything by reading the Bible, but we know everything we need to know. He has given us everything we need to finish well. Verse 4, by which he's given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And then he lists things to add to your faith. And he gives us examples of this. And the word of God gives us examples of this. Jesus in John 4, 34 Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father who sent me and from finishing his work. At the end of his suffering, he said, it is finished. Paul, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And Philippians 3 says, I press toward the mark. So the Bible tells us we have everything we need. God has given us all the equipment we need. He's given us the promises. He's given us a list of things to add to our faith. And he says, if you do these things, you will never stumble. You know, you don't have to backslide. You don't have to cash it in. You don't have to succumb to the weariness you know, I don't know if you've seen any of the stories or seen the videos of people that quit early. As I, was, as I was putting this together and looking for some illustrations, I saw a video. And this woman, uh, it's, it was a woman's race, and it was a long-distance race. And, and this woman is coming up to the finish line, and she has an extreme lead on the rest, anybody that's behind her. And she is clearly going to take this. She is clearly going to win. And she just began to relax her pace. She didn't stop. She wasn't hot dogging. She was just, you know, the, the finish line was, you know, just 
maybe 30 meters away and she's she's just she's trucking man and all of a sudden she just puts it in a slightly lower gear and she's just going to cruise across the finish line what she didn't realize is that her opponent was in turbo mode and as she's just kind of you know slowing down to enjoy her victory this person's silently coming closer 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 and right at the end the second place person just inched her out i have no idea how long this race was but when the woman realized that after all that effort, after all that time, after all that exertion, she was, she was edged out by her competition, she just collapsed. She just lost it. Because you have to finish well. Lopez Lemong would not give up. He would not let up in spite of all his suffering. He said he always had dreams of being free, of life counting. He said, I knew God gave me these dreams. How could I give up on them? Six years old, ran for his life, ends up in a refugee camp for 10 years. They had one meal a day. He said he used to run the perimeter of the camp just to forget his hunger. This is what he said, life may have been hard, yes boys died and food was difficult to come by, but at least no one was shooting at us. There's a perspective. We only ate one meal a day, but for me, coming into the camp at the age of six, I accepted this as normal. I never thought that life was unfair because I had to eat garbage. Instead, I looked at all the scraps of food from the dump as a blessing. All the complaining in the world will not make your life any better. Instead, you must choose to make the best of whatever situation in which you find yourself, even in a place like the refugee camp. What you have to do is you have to determine that you're going to finish. God wants you to finish. Not only is he going to finish well, and it's already, it's a fixed fight. It's going to happen. He wants every person in this room to finish well. Whatever, whatever your lane is, whatever part you have in the race, whatever part you have in the ministry or the, the, the fulfilling of the Great Commission, God's desire is that every person finish well. He's given us everything we need to finish well. One man said this, finishing strong is an everyday occurrence as there will never be a race, a goal, a day, a quarter, or year that does not come to an end. That means finishing strong is not an act. It's a habit. And you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision that you're going to finish well. So I want to close then with God's provision for finishing well. Because this is the best part. I, I love this chapter. Look at verse 9 talking about the list of things that you should add to your faith and you should do a study on those. I did a Sunday school when I was here in uh, Beachboro called How to Bear Fruit and Never Backslide. It's all right there. There's a promise in verse 9. He says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. But in verse 8 he had said, For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a promise. Verse 10 he then says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call 
an election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So we have this idea of call. This, the definition of this word means what God has called us to as individuals. That has to do with your place in the local church. If you want to finish well, then find your place in the local church. Find your place of ministry. Find your place of involvement. Lay your life down and say, whatever it is, God, you've added me to this church and I will fulfill what it is you have called me to do. And Paul said he had been called to be an apostle. Peter was called to be an apostle. That was their calling. But people have different lanes and everybody's important. Every person in the local church is important. And then he says, make your election sure. Well, if God's choosing, how do you make your election sure? If you're a rank Calvinist, that's, that's an impossibility because that word doesn't mean God chooses. The word election in the, in the New Testament means the instrument that God chose to bring revelation of truth to the world. Israel was God's elect. In other words, God chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants to be the vehicle through which he would bring light to the world. When they rejected Christ and rejected you know, God over the years and then finally Christ, then he moved that to the church. And the Bible says that uh, it was cut off and we were grafted in. And election has to do with the fact that God has chosen the church. God has chosen the church of Jesus Christ to be the instrument by which light has come to the world. And Peter is saying, you make your call an election sure. Make sure you are a part of what God's doing. Make sure you are a part of the instrument that God is using to touch the lost. And, and if you will do this, God will make sure that you finish well. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. It's very simple. Lopez Lamont said, I do not know how we could run so far and fast and so long. We did not run with our own strength, but with strength from God. That is the only explanation. Verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things that I love about our fellowship and there's a lot of things I love and appreciate about Pastor Mitchell. But one of the things I really appreciate about Pastor Mitchell Sr. is the large body of work. Just decades of serving God. And, and people here in Australia, you were on the receiving end of that, weren't you? You know, no less than three times did he come here and pastor and, and you, have to, you have to thank God that not only is this, there's this large body of work, this decades of serving God, and not only did he go the distance and die in faith, but he left us a successor. Can you say amen? amen. And we've been the recipient of a seamless succession. And, 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 and I want to tell you something, that, that's powerful. It's, it's an amazing thing that we're a part of. What an amazing heritage. Pastor Mitchell finished well. Thank God for that. Thank God that not only did he finish well, but we're continuing in the vision. 
And that means that God intends this to last. I, I thank God that a movement doesn't have to die. A movement does not have to go the way of so many other movements that had their day and, and with respect did great things. But I, God intends that we, we do this all the way to the rapture. Can you say amen? That we do this all the way to the finish line. We're not competing against one another. We're competing against the world, the devil, and our own flesh. I don't know about you, but I have realized that more often than not, I'm my own worst enemy. It's the old joke, you know, I've seen the enemy and the enemy is us. And there's people here tonight, God wants to set you free. Because somehow the devil has gotten a screw into your brain. You know, there's this term that's becoming more and more popular. It's called quiet quitting. How many of you heard that? I don't know if that's like the opposite of noisy quitting. You know, that was the 70s and 80s. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Don't try to stand in my way because I'm walking, you know. That's, that's not quiet quitting, that's arrogant quitting. Quiet quitting, apparently it's just, just pulling it back, going through the motions, or planning on, bailing. And there's some people, you're on the edge tonight, and the, and the devil's fired a fiery dart into your brain, like somehow it's time to pull back. And I wanna tell you something, God's gonna set you free tonight. Because God's provision for finishing well is a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to keep the fire burning. The Greeks had a race in their Olympic games that was unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It was the runner who finished with his torch still lit. This is Lopez Lemong. I want to run all the way with the flame of my torch still lit for him. Something that happens to long distance runners. I wasn't aware of this, but as I'm researching this, I, was, I came across some um, uh, depictions of these long distance runners that something happens in the blood chemistry. These people that haven't been replenished and they're running and they're in great shape, but something breaks down in the blood chemistry and their body just begins to, to give away. How many of you ever seen that? And it's not weakness, but it's just something that happens. And I've, I've seen these heartbreaking videos where these people, they're running these long races, these marathons, and they're coming to the finish line. And all of a sudden, they just start going really wobbly. And, you know, some, some people, that's the way they come into conference, man. You know, you, you may not be looking like that on the outside. It's all about, you know, straight ahead and new suit and, you know, how you doing? Great. But inside, people are just, they're, they're just wobbling, man. And some of the best videos of this that I saw were these, these people, they're clearly in the lead, and all of a sudden, they're just starting to give up. Sometimes they fall down. And I saw a number of them where the second place runner actually picked them up because they knew what was happening. And they knew that this person is, it was, was in the lead and actually began to carry them across the line, putting them first. 
You know, that's, that's what we need to do. This is what conference is about. Conference is not about, you know, showing off and flexing. And Conference is about understanding that God intends everybody to finish well. When you begin to view your local church that way, when you begin to view the converts that way, when you begin to view your fellow pastors and your brethren that way, it's all about getting them across the line, man. It's all about doing what you can to help the person that's in that condition. Because if you live long enough, you may wake up in that condition someday. But you have to learn not to tap out. I was reading about a a man who ultimately became one of the best flyers in the Air Force and he actually became one that taught and trained. He said, but when he was learning, he didn't do that good. He was in school and he was trying to learn and he was screwing up and uh, he thought he was going to get, you know, booted. And his teacher said to him, he said, you're not, he said, you're slow, but you're not untrainable. That was the diagnosis of his teacher. He says, you're a bit slow, but you're not untrainable. I don't know if you've ever felt like that as a disciple. I don't know if you've ever heard that from your pastor. <laughs> he ended up becoming one of the best. He said, there's something about that attitude. There's something about that redemption. There's something about that view from his leader. He said, you may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but we're going to do our best to get you out there. And this man excelled. You know something? If you can have a teachable spirit, if you can be trainable, if you can stay in that mode that says, God, I know I don't have it all together. I know I don't have this thing wired, but I'm listening. Then you can make it. I want you to put that third picture up again of Lopez Lemong at the Olympics. He said, I looked up at the giant jumbotron television screen. There on the screen, On one side was the president, his hand over his heart, and on the other side was me, Lopez Lamont, the lost boy, carrying the flag of his new home. He said, I am no longer a lost boy or an orphan. The flag in my hand is my identity. It is who I am now and who I never was before. He said, as I walked down the track beaming with pride, God had brought me so far through war, through eating garbage, and running to forget my empty stomach. No matter what I went through, God was always with me. He had always had this moment planned for me through both the good times and the bad, from the killing fields of Sudan to these Olympic Games. And back again. They were interviewing him and he summarized. He said, I'm now living for others. I'm I'm here to help others like myself. And this is what he said at the end. He said, Jesus saved me. Jesus did help me with my race, but I'm not at the finish line yet. I'm just in the middle of the race. You know, it's very interesting about 
our text. The man who wrote this, Peter, he could have gone out of failure. Remember who this was. Peter. Jesus said, you're all going to betray me. Peter said, these guys might. These losers. Not me. And Jesus said, Peter, Satan has desired to have you. He's going to sift you as wheat, man. You're going to deny me three times. You know, Judas hung himself. And Peter repented. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep, Peter. Three times. You can read into that. There's whole sermons about that. Peter, do you love me? Get back in the game, Peter. Get back in the game, Peter. You need to get back and you need to run the race. And Peter could have gone out a failure, man. He could have gone out a failure, but he listened. He allowed God to help him and he finished well. And I want to tell you, that is the destiny of every person in this room. I want to bring you a fresh challenge to claim your portion in God and finish well. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.